Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number 110 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is one of the most successful and creative vloggers in the poker world. He's had an incredible journey to become one of the most recognizable and influential players in the industry, but don't call him an influencer. Make no mistake about it, though. This man is a tremendous poker player, a dedicated dad, and a beloved figure among his many friends and fans. Today, we get to know him a little better. Jamin Burton, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's so funny. Don't call me an influencer. I hate that. I know. <laughs> we, we will tackle that specific thing. We will tackle that specific yeah. well, We've got to start from the beginning, though. I'm sure it's a question you've been asked many times. But for those who don't know you, how did you get uh, your start in poker? And, you know, not just as a creator, but just your first exposure to the game. And, and how did you fall in love with it? It's funny. I uh, My start... Like you hear a lot of stories where people are like, oh, my dad taught me or I learned in, I don't know, high school or something. My start was I was a bowler. So I bowled a lot. And I'll give the, the tell the quick version of the story. So during our bowling league, we would play a, a version of what I later later came to find out was called seven card draw. I didn't know anything about poker. I wasn't a gambler. I knew how to play blackjack. Still don't know how to play craps roulette. None, like I'm not a gambler at all. Like, so we would play the seven card draw game where you got a card if you got a strike and you got a card if you got a spare, right? And then you discard to have seven cards, best card, best hand at the end would win something. I don't, you'd have to, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what you want, but I remember being horrible at this game. Like I didn't know if a straight beat a set, beat a flush, what a full house was. Like I didn't know any of it, right? So I happened to be visiting some friends in Wichita I was just hanging out on the couch and they had uh, they were running a marathon of this thing called the World Series of Poker main event. Um, And I watched it and I saw this guy named Chris Moneymaker win like all this money. And the only reason I was watching it was so that I could learn the hand rankings. So I could be (laughs) so I could be better at bowling. Like I had I was watching it for that reason. I had no interest in actually playing the game. Like I just wanted to learn the hand rankings. That's By so interesting. In, I have to interject yeah. with one thing. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, yeah. interject, but it just shows. Anyone who's watched World Series of Poker broadcast for the last five to eight, ten years, they don't really do that anymore. But back in no. 2003, that was an integral part. A lot of people yeah. didn't know what this game was. So hand rankings were on <laughs> as part of the broadcast. Yes. So, I was like, go I'm going to learn hand rankings. I'm going to learn hand rankings and I'll learn a little strategy and I'll just like clean up at the bowling alley. Right. So by the end of this thing and this is probably i'm guessing it was 2005 2006 that i watched it um i was hooked like i was in um i think i like threw 50 bucks on poker stars or something immediately lost it rinsed and repeated that a couple times until it like stuck um and yeah that's that's what began my love of poker the vlogging part didn't start until 2017, maybe. Um, my uh, friend of mine was a dealer. I was playing one, two live in St. Louis. And uh, this friend came up to me and she goes, the trooper is here. Uh-huh. And I had, 
I had no idea who she was talking about. I had no idea. Like, I literally thought she was talking about like a police officer, like that was in like full uniform, was in the room or something. Cause that'd be a thing. Like, why is a police officer in the room? Like, somebody's gonna get in trouble. So I'm like looking around. I don't see a cop. I don't see anything. And she goes, No, I got, I said, Priscilla, I don't know who you're talking about. And she goes, Just look up the trooper on YouTube. And I looked up, I saw this guy walking around, you know, filming his whole cards, which was like taboo. Right. to film anything in a casino at all. And I was just like enthralled. I sat there and binged like three or four of his vlogs while he was like two tables over. Um, and then he got up to get something and I introduced myself to him, told him I was a fan. And then the next day I grabbed this little cheap camera I had and tried to create a vlog. I was like, I want to see how hard this is. This can't be that hard. And so I tried to create a vlog and created the worst vlog ever seen by anyone. Like it was just a 10 minute video of me and my daughter going to Toys R Us. And it's the worst. It's like, it's unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to do this. I, my, my goal in the beginning um, was to try to just journal my poker sessions in my life with my daughter and you know her mom and it wasn't even necessarily to like make it public on youtube it was just like i've always been a journaler like if you look at my desk if you look at actually the shelf behind me there's just journals forever like i still just like journal constantly so i was like oh this is just will be like a video extension of that right um and so yeah that was my goal was just to create good blogs so i could be like the trooper like you gotta remember this is like 2017 ish late 2017 there was no like blogger boom like there was no like it just didn't exist like you didn't create blogs to get viewers and views and you know you know juke analytics and like become an influencer like that just didn't didn't exist it was the trooper it was then um shortly after i found this guy named andrew nini and then I found a guy named Brad Owen. And uh, shortly after I started, a guy named Johnny Vibe started. And then it was just basically kind of just us. And there was like, you know, Boski was doing some other things. Um, but there wasn't, it isn't, it wasn't then like it is now. Right. So there was no like fame or nor- notoriety around it. If anything, you were like, like trying to get yourself banned from <laughs> Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I got I got caught vlogging once in a casino in St. Louis and they actually just told me to stop. They were like, yeah, you're going to stop or we're just banning you. Right. Um, So so. let's take a step back then before the vlogging. And I said you were just, you know, sitting and playing poker. So this was something you did casually, recreationally. I mean, you had and actually you still do have a regular job. You're a computer scientist. So let's hear uh, about, uh, you know, pre-vlogger Jamin Burton. So it's interesting looking back on it now, right? So like I said, I was playing on poker stars, like whatever their smallest limits were, like one cent, seven cents or whatever, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember I had moved up to like 25 cent, 50 cent, which was like a big game. You know, it was like yeah. a big game. Um, and then Black Friday happened. Okay. And then I went into the live streets and discovered I like live better than online. Um for the social aspect. Um, but at the time, looking back on it, I thought I was taking it really seriously as like a semi-pro, you know, like 
someone that had a job, but was still playing it really seriously. When I look back on it now, I wasn't taking it as seriously as I, sure, <laughs> as, sure. as I thought. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't like really studying besides just like reading a couple books here and there, but I was playing like at a good clip for someone having a 40 hour job. And at that time, a, let's just say Jada was four or five years old. Um, I was probably putting in 20, 30 hours a week. Easy. That's um, the side hustle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a winning one, two player back then. I mean, I wasn't crushing by any means, but you know, I was making a couple extra hundred or so a month yep. and, you know, having fun, hanging out with my friends. Um, and it stayed that way until, you know, I moved up from one, two to two, five, and then, Five ten games were few and far between in St. Louis, but any time I'd run, I'd try to jump in the five ten game. Um, and then when I started vlogging, when I published my first vlog, which I I want to say was the summer of 2018, um, I did a vlog a day for like two weeks um, during the World Series, and that's when everything changed. Like unbeknownst to me at the time, but like my entire life was going to change just because I changed the video from unlisted or private on YouTube to public. Wow. Um, yeah. Everything just, everything drastically changed like two days after I published my first book. Huh. So, yeah. And here we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, to a degree, obviously you're pouring time and effort into this pursuit and yet you still sort of have a regular conventional job. As far yeah. as I know, like as a computer science, like, can you talk a little bit about that and to the extent you feel yeah. comfortable, of course? No. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I started, uh, my mom will tell this story about me being the only person she knows that knew what he wanted to do when I was like six years old and then actually like did it. Awesome. Right. So I started programming computers. I remember going to a computer class when I was seven, like I took a computer class at the university of Cincinnati when I was seven. Um, computers were so very I started, different back then. They, not only I asked my mom sometimes, like, how did I even know what a computer was? Like right. they weren't around. Like, and she goes, I don't know, but you did. And you were just, <laughs> and so I've always had a passion for <clears throat> computing, for algorithmic things, for math. So I started programming when I was seven and I just never stopped and I never stopped liking it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm talking to you here, but like right here is, you know, uh, like programming tasks I'm working on. I've, I'm like, I'm still, I like it the same, the same way people might like looking at solver output or uh -huh. the same way people might get into, I don't know, star Wars or whatever people are into. Sure. Like, I still like it. So when people are like, uh, I'm surprised you still have a job. Well, it's like that old saying, like if you get a job or something you love, you never feel like you work a day Absolutely. in your life. Like, like I still, I still like it. So I really, and it provides a paycheck and yeah. it provides insurance and, and a bunch of other things, of you know? Course. So it's like, it's hard to let go of that. Even though I know if I do, it would free up, so much time mm -hmm. to create more content and to go on poker stops and to like do all this stuff. So I tried to do this juggling between work, work and poker, actually playing poker yeah. and content creation and study 
and still being a dad and yeah. still like having an outside life and still managing relationships. Like it's, it's tough. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely a bunch of plates spinning all at the same time. A hundred percent. I mean, that, that type of, uh, you know, multifaceted, very busy and fulfilling yeah. life, something I can certainly yeah. identify with. I would say, at least for me, the biggest challenge is how do you prioritize, you know, so to speak, not that one is more important <laughs> than the other, but how yeah. are you able to sort of prioritize one or the other and say, okay, now it's time for this. Now it's time for that. Like what governs your, your choices in that regard? Discipline. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think I have, uh, more discipline than a lot of people. And it helps that like my job, my nine to five, right. Is very regimented. Like, you know, I, I started six 30 and I'm done at like two 30 or so. Um, and then, uh, and, and from then it depends on which day of the week it is. Like, uh -huh. am I going to release a vlog today? Do I need to begin editing the vlog? Do I need to film a vlog? Um, those things uh, I do when necessary. Uh -huh. um, poker study happens every day, like every day now I'm, I'm in the lab. And then it's like the other things just kind of fit in where I can get them in, whether it's like managing relationships or like <clears throat> cooking a nice dinner rather than, you know, using DoorDash or Grubhub right. or something like, uh, but it's, it's tough. And the thing that suffers the most historically for me has been sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, that was actually, I don't, I'm not one to make new year's resolutions. It's just not my jam, but this year I'm focusing on sleep. Like, so there's going to be a drop off somewhere. Haven't figured out where it is okay. just yet, but I know we're like eight or nine days into the year and, uh, I've gotten seven hours of sleep every night, which is my That's average, great. my average sleep last year was three and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, this can't, this can't continue. Yeah, so not sustainable, right? So yeah, we'll figure out in a couple months what which falls by the wayside in order for me to get this extra sleep, but I'm definitely sleeping. But oftentimes also, again, as someone who doesn't really need that much sleep, I find that when I do give in, so to speak, yeah. give myself a, a, you know more hours to sleep, whatever it is that I'm doing after that, the qualitatively kind of improves. So there is so an much. upside. <laughs> yeah, so much better. And I know there's things that I don't do um, that a lot of people do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know probably when poker kind of started taking over things, there's certain things that drop. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, um, which means, like, I don't watch a lot of sports or anything anymore. Like, I don't follow sports as much as I used to. Um, I don't go out to the bars and the clubs. Like, that's not that's not really my thing. And I don't even have time for it, even if I did. Right. Um, so I guess I save some time there because Absolutely. I don't I just don't do those things. I hear friends of mine talking about different shows they've watched on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And I'm like, I've never seen a single episode of any of that stuff. So right. and you so can always just like, go ahead yeah. and decide to binge it one day. If you want to <laughs> right. So there is some like <laughs> social capital you sure. lose. Sure. You know what I mean? Because you can't join in those conversations because I don't know what you're talking about. But I have a handful. I have like two shows that I'll watch and the rest of them I'm just done. Like, One so of the yeah. things you mentioned that you're juggling, obviously, uh, obviously a priority is uh, your daughter, Jada. She's 12 years old. Um, now. Talk, talk a little bit about that, about being a dad and why it's important to you to be an involved dad. Yeah, she's she's 13 and she's oh, grown and she is about done with me. 
Like I'm the, <laughs> I'm the cringiest thing ever to her. <laughs> like, yeah. Five yeah. years ago, it was the best thing ever. Now I'm the cringiest thing ever. My jokes aren't funny. She doesn't uh-huh. want to be around. Like, all right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's it's so kids are so strange. Like when they enter your life, like for the for the longest for the longest thirty plus years, I was one of these uh, guys that didn't want kids. I was just me. I'm going to do me. And um, then one day I just woke up and it was like, I wanted uh, a child. Like I just, and it just like took over my life. Like it was all I could think about. I was like, I want a child, one child. Um, so then she shows up and she shows up as a she and not a he. Uh-huh, and right. in my mind, when I'm thinking I want a child, that child's a boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it so, afflicts all men, I believe. They want right, sure. right. So she shows up and everything just changes. Like you hear all those sayings like, oh, you don't truly know what love is until you have a child or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always just thought they were kind of BS, but I, I get it. Like I, I I get it now. You understand that. You understand um, how fast time moves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which I didn't really have a, a good grasp on until you see this this little seedling grow up from nothing. Like she's 13 now. And I could, I could have swore just three, three years ago, she was two. Right. Um, so raising her instilling values and discipline in like just life skills in, into, into this little person is, uh, number one priority above poker, above computers, above, you know, how often I'm three betting six, five suited from the big blind above any, above any of that. Like she's number one. And then everything else just kind of falls in place. Mind that. If someone gave you 30 to 60 seconds to list what those primary values are that you do try mm-hmm. to instill in her, what would you say? Uh, Ooh, 30 the primary values. Number one, be a good person. Um, be honest, have fun. Um, reduce stress, hmm. um, manage anxieties, uh, take chances, um, which is one thing that as a kid, I wish I would have done more of. I was very, not reserved, but just very, I didn't take enough chances as uh-huh. a kid. Like when you're young, uh, uh, what's the word? When you're young, you're, you'll bounce. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'll bounce when you're young. When you get older, yeah. you don't bounce. Yeah. Like, you, you can't, you can't That's take true. chances. That's yeah. true. Um, take chances. Uh, you know, uh, what else do I instill in her a lot? Um I mean, that's clear that those are the most important things. Then. Yeah. That's yeah, why we went to, like, the top three, four, five. Yeah, sure. Yeah, be accountable. Be you know, say I'm sorry. You know, so just you know, stuff like that. Like, so I'd like to you know, one one of the you know, my my rabbi, someone who you know, since I was 13 has influenced me. He always says, you know, the best lessons are caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. You know, not that they're both important, but it's mm-hmm. what they observe. So, and you specifically mentioned reducing anxiety and stress. And I'm just kind of wondering, with all of the stuff that you've got going on and, and juggling, do you feel anxiety and stress from all of that? I don't, no. Okay. But uh, I've kind of been around the block a couple mm-hmm. times, and I, 
one of the things that my dad instilled in me, um, which he must have instilled deep, 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 because I truly believe it, is that, you know what, everything's always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so up to this point, I just turned 50 last year. So I was like, up to this point, everything has just kind of been okay. And I look at his life and my mom's life and people, I'm like, everything is just kind of always okay. Like it, it finds a way to work itself out. Might not be exactly how you pictured it working out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's okay. And I'm extremely lucky and extremely grateful for a couple of things. Number one, that I happened to find this passion I had for computers and computer science in the early eighties, unbeknownst to anyone, the internet is going to blow up in the mid nineties. Right. You know what I mean? So right place, right time. Yeah, exactly. You're positioned well. Like, sure. Yeah. I happen to stumble upon this idea of walking around, talking to a camera and recording my whole cards, unbeknownst to me that this whole genre would blow up mm-hmm. like two years later. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, like, yeah. I've just kind of been in the right place in the right time. Like I can make a couple bad moves and not worry that I'm going to be eating ramen noodles for the rest of the year. So <laughs> it's like, like I should so say I at this point that this podcast is sponsored by ramen noodles. <laughs> So I don't have a lot of, um, what's the word, uh, like involuntary stresses. Got it. Like I put stress on myself, right? When I decide to take my hard earned money and sit down with a bunch of killers in a poker game, but that stress, I can just get up and walk away from anytime I want. Like that's sure. not the stresses that some people feel living paycheck to paycheck, right. not knowing, you know, or, or they're God forbid they're son has cancer yeah. or something like that. Like my stresses are like, Oh, I got to take out the garbage. You know what I mean? It's right. not like, it's not real. Like it's, it's. And, and, and whereas obviously, you know, you are playing poker seriously. And I would say yeah. professionally, it's not your yeah. only source of income. So right. it's not like, you know, your entire, you know, good fortune or bad fortune depends on the turn of a card, like many <laughs> right. others out there. So I, I get yeah. that. That's cool. And I, um, I think that job, a professional, professional poker player Mm -hmm. that has no other forms of income Mm. besides just kind of hoping the guy in C2 knows how to fold top hair like that, that stress. Like I know a lot of this, like that's another, like that's a level of stress that I don't know if I'm equipped for, to be honest. Like um, I was telling someone, maybe it was Johnny. I did an interview with him. Like if I had to leave my job, and just play poker professionally, whew, like that, and not, yeah, I'm just, I've just been so ingrained to knowing, oh, I'm getting a paycheck in two weeks, and I know this is coming in, like, that would be a big jump for me, right. like, but even me, even if you label me, like, as a professional poker player, I still have income coming in from other places, you yeah. know what I mean, so I have income coming in from YouTube, and then meetup games, or, or, or whatnot, like, yeah. in the same way that, like, a, Nowadays, anyway, like someone like a Phil Helmuth or a Danny Negreanu are still professional poker players, but the lion's share of their income probably doesn't come from poker anymore. Sure, you know what I mean. It's it's other endeavors. Yeah, even Um, even like what you know the the LeBron Jameses of the world, you know the the Raphael Nadal, they're making millions. No, it's even more so from endorsements and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Those those guys, their actually NBA salary is just a fraction. 
right. of, of what they're pulling Which in is here. kind of mind-blowing. So, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is a little bit. So, huh. But I will take LeBron James's NBA salary and just be done. You know what I mean? Like, I, Same here. That. Sorry, yeah. Cards Chat folks. So just If yeah. that happens, you've been warned. Yeah. On episode 110. Yeah. Um, I do, besides, uh, you know, serving to assuage any anxiety that obviously doesn't happen because you've got mm-hmm. the, the full-time job, um, being a computer scientist, like the skills, you know, that you've developed, honed, and obviously just sort of your your passion, your your inherent enjoyment of dealing with numbers, ones and zeros, that, that kind of thing. How does that affect not just your poker play, but also your study habits and, and how able you're, how quickly you're able to, um, you know, learn new information to help you become a better player. It's funny that how one bleeds into the other. So <clears throat> if you can imagine when I started programming computers or even having an interest in learning how to program computers, um, the technologies we were working with, both hardware and software. Uh, early 80s, even if you look back to when I went to Iowa State in the early 90s, like it's much different now. Um, so in order to stay in that field, you have to constantly study. Sure. Um, it's just there's never been a time where I haven't been learning a new language or, you know, <clears throat> new algorithms. Like it's just been consistent since the early 80s. So falling into studying poker um, was a little easier probably for me because I already have study habits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, you Sometimes you hear people talk about, oh, I want to go back to school. I go back to college or go back to university or whatever. And for someone that hasn't done that since their 20s and they're now in their 30s or 40s, I think that would be incredibly hard. Yep. It'd be incredibly, incredibly hard because you like studying is a skill just like anything else. Um, you have to know how you like to study um, I know that I'm a visual learner. I know that I need to take a lot of notes. Some people don't. Um, so I've been able to leverage a lot of the language, like computer language acquisition skills mm-hmm. into like learning like poker game theory or, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's not, it's still studying. It's just studying something different. Sure. It, do you, I mean, a lot of uh, professional athletes, they, you know, they, they watch the tapes, that sort of yeah. thing. And obviously beyond, you know, creating content and editing your sessions and stuff, do you also yeah. sort of have a little part of you that looks at your play and tries to learn from your own play? I look at my play and try to learn from my old play as I'm editing. Oh, yeah. well, okay. Well, um, simultaneously. But the, the, the interesting thing is I don't watch any other vlogs. Like, oh, okay. Never. Never, never and 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 I mean I that's that's too harsh. I watch, I might watch five, four, five vlog episodes of somebody else per year. Okay, um, that's fair. And there's many reasons for that, but number one, I don't have time. Right. Number two, um, if you speak to most bloggers, they never watch or very rarely watch other vloggers. And number three is. I kind of pride myself in my creativity sure. and I don't want to be kind of poisoned or influenced about what like the community is doing and blah, blah. Like I just want to do like my, my own thing. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, watching myself play, I learn a lot. I learn. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I just, I was editing a blog last night and, uh, 
was watching myself play seven, six offsuit and was wondering how in the world did I even get in this hand? Like I shouldn't even be. <laughs> It'll be this, good for the video. <laughs> yeah. In this hand, in this spot, which is like, I really like in, in my head, I'm thinking I really need to like nail down my hijack ranges because this isn't a, what I'm doing. Isn't a thing. Like I win the pot, but I'm like, this isn't a thing that I just like, what I just did is. Horrible. That's fair. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Uh, your vlogging started in St. Louis. So, I yeah. mean, that's, uh, I've never been uh, to St. Louis, the Midwest area, really. So yeah. what's poker? What's the poker scene like there? And I guess in the region. The poker scene then when I started uh, playing live, which was, I mean, I, I played a little bit live before Black Friday, but it was after Black Friday, Friday that I really started like playing, playing live was booming. There were one, two, Three casinos that had poker in the area. No, four. Four casinos that had poker rooms in St. Louis, uh, in that area. Um, all the rooms were packed. There was, it was all either one, two, one, three, or two, five. There was some PLO going. Like, and we're talking like 2014, 2015. Like, so it was really, really happening. Bunch of good people, good floors, like <clears throat> amenities. Like it was, it was nice. Um uh, when COVID happened in 2020, mm. um, I didn't play. Right. Didn't play that entire year. I moved here to Vegas in 2021. But in 2000, by the time it got to like 2019, some of the rooms had closed. Um, it was kind of just like a snapshot of kind of what was going on all across the country, right? The poker boom had kind of died down. Rooms were uh, kind of consolidating sure. in a lot of different cities. And... Uh, while poker there was still fun, it was different. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't as social. It wasn't as enjoyable in that, uh, that like form. And personally, I was just a little, I was getting a little frustrated. Um, not with anyone in St. Louis at that time, not with anyone in St. Louis, but the scene itself, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to play bigger and bigger wasn't available. Got um, it, yeah. so uh, but when I talk to my friends still in St. Louis, it sounds like the, the, you know, it's, it's starting to pick back up. They are starting to have tournament series come back to St. Louis. So it sounds like it's, it's probably doing pretty well. I haven't been back there myself in over a year. So did you have a favorite room? Uh, I had two. So in the beginning of my live career, my favorite room was, um, Harrah's in St. Louis, which then uh, right now it's, it's called Hollywood, Hollywood Casino in St. Louis. Probably towards the end, it was Ameristar, um, also in St. Louis. Ameristar is still there. <clears throat> and I think now, uh, I could be completely wrong, but I think now most of the uh, live No Limit games are at Ameristar. Got so, it. Okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, always, always a good time there. Well, the thing is, you didn't just leave St. Louis to find bigger games, better games. There were other circumstances surrounding that. Uh, it is documented. You have spoken about it before. Um, but I think it's just, you know, again, it's a, it's an important part of your story as a well, human being and uh, also just as a content creator. And those who followed your journey via the vlog since the beginning, uh, you know, they, they've, they've gone with you. They've accompanied you. Uh, on this journey. So, so tell us about uh, the move yeah, to Las Vegas. I mean, the, the year 2020 was pivotal in so many ways for so many different people. Right. So the beginning of 2020, like January was fantastic. It was uh, my buddy, Andrew Nimi's 40th 
surprise birthday party. It was like, let's just say it was like January 6th. Like it was the best party I'd ever been to. All our friends were there. Everything was great. I remember we all looked at each other after the party and we were like, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. Like how much better, like the year started out fantastic. Like it's going to be the best year ever. Right. And then you have like in quick succession, you have like Kobe die, which is dramatic. And then you have like, you know, this flu thing going around, um, which we would soon find out, which just shut down the entire world. All right. So the entire world shuts down. And what happened with me is I went to work remotely, which is great. What was happening in St. Louis is that the tensions that the rest of the country felt, namely like Minneapolis where, you know, like the George Floyd stuff and then the Ahmed Arbery stuff and like um, Brianna Taylor stuff in the Midwest, this all started to bring back um, this racial divide that it had kind of flared up once uh, in like 2015. Um, and St. Louis just became very uncomfortable for me to live in, whether it was um, me being paranoid or whether it was real, like there was a fear. There was just like a a palpable tension just in my neighborhood whenever I would walk down the street. Like I hated it. Um, so I lived in St. Louis. I lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, and I remember thinking, if I feel this tension, what does my 10 year old daughter feel? Mm. Right. And uh, then there was. And I, I personally, I really don't care what side of the fence people fall on. But it was in unmistakable divide between I like Trump and I don't like Trump. Right. And then that, and then that mixed in with the racial stuff. And I was like, okay, it's just, it's time to go somewhere a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit less divided, a little bit less. Like it it felt like St. Louis at the time felt like a powder cake to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spoke with uh, uh, Jada's mother who we, you know, we still have a great, co-parenting uh, relationship. In fact, a little aside, when I moved to Vegas, she moved to Vegas as well. And she literally lives like half a mile from me. Oh, that's great. So, like, that's yeah, really our wonderful. daughter can, can walk in between our, our houses. Um, so we just both decided, yeah, this doesn't feel right here. Yeah, we're both working remotely. Therefore, we can work anywhere. Sure. Um, sure. So we came up with a short list of places to move. Uh, and uh, Vegas was on that list. Scottsdale, um, Denver, Tampa, Costa Rica. There was just like a list. Um, And we were deciding between Scottsdale and Vegas. And I got into a situation where I was going to a grocery store. This is a grocery store down the street from my house. Parked my car, went into the grocery store, bought milk or something, came out. And uh, I, I have a Tesla, which when I first got it, they weren't, you never saw them, right? It was like an oddity. Um, by the time I got to 2020, they were kind of around. Uh-huh. Um, but still in St. Louis, they were they were rare. You know, you saw a lot of, you saw a lot of like Ford F50s or something. Um, so the Tesla, 
if you if you don't know or if your audience doesn't know, Teslas don't have a key. Like there's no key. Right. They're always on. You don't turn them off. Um, and the way they lock is typically by your phone, like by your proximity to your phone. Right. So I walk up to my car. It's supposed to unlock. It doesn't unlock. So I'm just kind of jostling with the handle. I'm opening up my phone to open up the Tesla app mm. to make sure my Bluetooth is on. And I'm just like fiddling around. Some guy comes up. He thinks I'm trying to break into the car. Mm-hmm. I tell him, no, sir, this is my car. And he says something akin to, how can someone like you afford a card like this? Mm. And I lost it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I lost it. Um, uh, like, I went after him and his, his wife or girlfriend got in the middle of us. And I go, all right, I'm done. I remember uh, talking to uh, Trisha Jada's mom that night. And I go, yeah, we're out of here. Like, right. it's just, mm. um, and Vegas was cost-wise very comparable to St. Louis, especially because there's no state income tax here. And um, I knew people here. I quickly uh, got a condo here, uh, rented a condo from a friend of mine's uh, mother. And uh, yeah, moved almost three weeks later. Like it was super fast. It's one thing for an adult to move. And obviously, uh, you know, having the circumstances you had spoken about and Thankfully, you know, in a the, the silver lining of the COVID world is that remote work is that much more common and, and possible. It's another for a child to move, uh, you know, mm-hmm. having grown up there and, and spent her life there and her friends and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, how did she take it and how is she doing in Las Vegas today? She was ready, which uh, when she when we first told her we were going to move to Las Vegas, she started crying. Mm-hmm. You know, like she started like bawling because she, like most people think. When you think of Las Vegas, you think of the Strip, right? Yeah, sure. You know, and that's all you think of. Like, um, so I had to tell her, like, no, Jada, there's an entire city. It's just not the Strip. Like, it's an entire city, just like the one you live in here. Right. And I remember her saying, well, what am I going to do there? And I go, well, what do you do here? Like, you you play on your computer. Like, you play on your iPad. And you, like, color and you draw. And I go, you can do all that stuff there. Sure. And <laughs> The timing almost worked out too perfectly because she was in sixth grade, fifth grade. She was in fifth grade and going to be transitioning to middle school. Okay. Well, there you go. A whole new school. Um, um, anyway, so right. I ended up moving, like I said, like three, three weeks or so after that incident. Um, her and her mother stayed in St. Louis for another three months so Jada could finish out elementary school. Sure. And then sure. they moved here. Wow. So yeah, just like the timing worked out perfectly. Like I moved myself, uh, my parents moved from one part of Cincinnati. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, to another part of Cincinnati um, after my freshman year in high school. And it was traumatic. Easily the most traumatic thing that I've been through in my life and in and in its entirety was moving away from all the friends that I went from kindergarten to ninth grade with to a completely different school for sophomore, junior, and senior year. And not only a completely different school, but like our rival school. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, yeah. So I didn't want to put her through that, but she was ready to go. She was like, after she came here for her spring break, I had moved here and I had the condo and I'm driving her back from the airport. And she's like looking and she's seeing the mountain, like seeing mountains and stuff for the first time. Mm -hmm. And she sees a target. And she goes, (laughs) 
He goes, they have Target in Vegas? I go, yes, they have Target. So and she's like, oh. And then that like calmed her. She's like, yeah. oh, this is just like a normal place. I go, yeah. It's yep. just like a normal city. That's so, so it's so cool and refreshing to see the world through the eyes of a, of a, <laughs> of a younger person. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny when I tell people, when I tell people that, and I guess locals that live here will tell people this all the time that one of the worst parts of Vegas is the strip. Like when you live here, you try as hard as you can not to go to the strip. Right. Like um, I didn't get that until I lived here and I saw Red Rock and I saw the arts district and I, you know, the, the heights and the mountains and, and like all the other things. It's like, I get it. Like the strip is just like, not really where you want to be. Like, I mean, you got to kind of have to go down there for poker. Um, there's other options, but they're not as good. But it's not like you hang out on the strip. Like, I've been here now. I moved in January of 21. I don't think in that time I've actually been on the strip strip, just like walking the strip. Oh, or like I make outside a of the poker rooms, you mean? Yeah, outside of the poker room. Like, I make a beeline to Blasio or to the Aria um, or to the Encore, park in the garage and go right to the poker room. Like, I've never been out, like, amongst, like... The craziness. It's obviously a, a different vibe uh, than you know the St. Louis poker rooms. You know, yeah. in what way do you? Th- I mean, again, I, the content you know by the yeah. de facto has to sort of change. But in in yeah. what way do you think it sort of affected you as the creator to have moved and, and now be in a different city oh. with so many different poker rooms available? It's so much better. Like. So in St. Louis, if I go back and watch most of my vlogs, they're about 99% the same. Like it's, I'm, I'm at home, I drive, I play some hands, I drive home. Um, occasionally there were some nights going out or whatever, but it was few and far between. Here, there's just so many options. There's just so much to do. That's just not not always poker to the point where it's like, I actually have to tell my girlfriend sometimes like, I have to play tonight because I have to vlog. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where in St. Louis, it was like, well, I'm going to play because there's not much else to do. Uh-huh. If you're not a big drinker, you don't right. want to hang out at the bars. And if you have seen all the movies in the movie theaters, like there's, you know, jazz bands and there's, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's things to do in St. Louis, but here it's just like, like for instance, I'm working on the, the vlog, uh, the next vlog. And it starts with, me going to meet um, Brad and Johnny and Q and Johnny's wife and something at like a little beach club at uh, Virgin Hotel and Casino and then going and playing some at the Encore and then, you know, going out to like a nice dinner and then going to play some more. Like there's there's just so much more life. Yeah. yeah. On, where, I, where I felt as in St. Louis, my life had become wake up, work. Um, do some stuff with Jada, maybe go play poker, eat, go to sleep. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I get here, it completely. Every musical artist is, is here on any given night. There's shows, there's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, I understand it is the entertainment capital of the world. Um, and I understand why it's, it is like that. Like it's, you know. So I know you started 
on the early side, like the, you know, the folks you, you mentioned, like Brad, like Andrew, Johnny, uh, all yep. of whom we have had actually on previous episodes uh, of the Cards Chat podcast. Uh, Brad, who was your favorite? Pardon me? Who was your favorite? Um, we don't answer questions like this. <laughs> no, we always learn something interesting and different from every interview. That was Mimi, the coolest. Well, uh, I've known Andrew the longest because yeah. we go back to his Pokerati days. Like, yeah. Well, oh, wow. When he was wow. just, yeah, like really like 2013 or something like that. So yeah. um, it was cool to like, hey, look how far we've come, you know, like that yeah. sort of a thing. Um, but I will just give the numbers. You know, this is episode 110, folks. I always say the 109 other episodes uh, to listen to. Andrew was number 52. Brad was number 76. Uh, wow. Johnny Vibes was number 72. Um, so uh, what was I going with this question? Uh, ah, done. Oh, one second. Oh, this doesn't usually happen. One second. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So you started early. But yeah. I have to admit, I was sort of a little late to the Jamin party because, like, you know, a lot of vloggers sort of started, you know, and then I was like, oh, okay, they're all more or less the same. And then the first time I watched yours, I'm like, wait, Marvel's making vlogs now? <laughs> what? The, what? Yeah. What is? I mean, it like it just the create. I said to myself, he must have like an entire production team instead. <laughs> like, where do you? I mean. Where do you learn how to do this? And nothing you've set up until now yeah. has clued me in into this artistic side of comic comic yeah. presentation. It is truly one of a kind. So how did your vlog evolve into that? How the hell did you learn how to do that kind of stuff? And why did you choose this form of, of artistic expression? Wow, that's a really good question. No one's really even asked me that. Okay, so... If we rewind a little bit, when I sure. said the trooper came in and then the next day I went out and tried to create a vlog and it was the worst thing ever. Like it's sure. literally like I didn't know the difference between landscape and portrait. Like it's constantly flipping back and forth. Um, and I said my goal was to get good. Like, right. the right. So was, I, I talked to Nimi about this. Um, what you do when you're learning anything is you emulate, right? You, like the first step is you just try to copy. Even if you're just learning how to draw, like you trace first, sure, right? Sure. So my first couple vlogs, even before, like I have vlogs out there that I never even released publicly, um, but they're very Trooper-esque because uh -huh. he's all I knew. Like, so I was like, I want to try to do what he does. So, so you're going up and down escalators on the strip. Yeah, yeah. Going up, <laughs> I love it. Talking. <laughs> And, you know, you know, hey, it's Jamin and being kind of bombastic and just like just trying to do what he does. Sure. And, and you do that. You do that when you are learning to play the guitar, like you're learning someone else's music and you're reading the notes and you're learning to play, you know, green sleeves or whatever you're, you're playing. Right. And then at some point and it's different for everybody, but at some point, normally what happens is you kind of come up with your own voice. Right. You start putting your own personality into your into your music or into your art or into your writing or to your painting or whatever you're doing. You kind of come up with your own voice. At the time, I was a big fan of the television show and the comic book, um, The Walking Dead. OK. Right. Big fan of The Walking. <laughs> a big fan of uh, The Walking Dead. And so I was like, I really liked the opening 
music, the kind of scary, tense music. So I wanted to add more music to my blog. And so I chose that. And then I was like, I wonder, said, I'm telling a story. I wonder if I could tell it like a comic book. How would I do that? Because I didn't, I don't have any editing experience. I'm not a videographer. Like I don't know these things. So I did what everybody does nowadays when you don't know how to do something, you go to YouTube. Right. And I typed in, you know, how to edit video. Some video walked up, popped up and I watched it. And then I typed in, okay, now I know how to do that. How to put frames on the screen to make it look like a comic. And someone would get me halfway there. And then I kind of reverse engineer templates I found online to figure out how to get the other way there. And I just started learning and just started progressing. Like uh, it's uh, for instance, last night, my girlfriend sent me a text like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm watching an Apple motion video on how to make it look like pages are turning on a video. Like that's literally what I was doing. Wow. Like I, I had just finished playing like literally 3,500 hands on ACR. Right. And I got on YouTube and I was like, what if the transitions between my scenes and my blog weren't like sliding? Right. What if they like flipped like a book? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, how would I do that? And so I got on YouTube and I'm like, how? And so then I started taking this tutorial on Apple motion about how to make that happen. And that's right. actually what I did last night. It was like, I'm learning how, and that's how I've done, how I've done everything. Wow. Like I either figure it out on my own between final cut and app promotion or buy some like preset template and then use my computer science background to like actually crack it open. Right. And see how it was made Hmm. and then take the little snippets of that, that I could use and then put them in my blog. Um, But that's been a big, uh, something that's kind of stuck in my craw in this space for a while now, like in the beginning, there was like, Everybody had their voice and their style. Do you know what I mean? Like Trooper had his style. I was too new to have a style. So I was just kind of <laughs> emulating Troopers and just kind of learning. And Brad had his hello style, quick intro. <laughs> for those goodbye. who are just listening yeah. <laughs> for the, for, and not watching, Jamin did the whole hand wave thing. Yeah, so just, a, of course, that's the print. I mean, I love I, I love Brad to death. Don't get me wrong. He's one it's of my wonderful. best friends. It's very, yeah, it's very, you know, blues, clues. Hello. How are you doing? Sure. Okay. Bye. And then Andrew, Andrew had a more cinematic yes. style. And then when Johnny came along, Johnny was like cinematography plus. Yeah. Like it was very, it was beautiful to watch his vlogs. Everybody had his own style. Ryan DePaulo came along. He had a crazy kind of bombastic, crazy style. And then nowadays, it's just like very few of the bloggers out there have a style. Right. Like it's like tough to stand out. They've all just taken Brad's style and just kind of co-opted to be like, Hi, I'm Joe from Pittsburgh. Here's my vlog. Here's how I play Ace King suited. And then it's just like that, you know, Um, when on a daily, like literally daily, I think of new blog like styles and approaches that I'm shocked that no one has has taken yet. Like how come nobody is doing a blog that's like sports center style where they're sitting at a desk and they show the hand, you know, on the green screen behind them and they're analyzing 
how come nobody has done like, 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 I mean, just, I don't know, maybe it's just my mind works differently, but it just feels like a lot of the blogs out there just kind of feel lazy and like repetitive. And I never wanted mine to feel like that, even to me, because I make mine more for me than I make it for anyone else. Like one of my, um, one of my catalysts, catalysts in the very beginning was when I was 10, my mom and my dad would do things and we'd be with the babysitter or whatever, but I don't have any video of what they did. They would go disco dancing or they would yeah. go like, how cool would it be that if I could see yeah, for sure. what my mom and dad were doing, like if I could see, like when I was 10, they were 39, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or no, when I was, when I was 10, they were 30. So how cool that if I had video that says, oh, mom and dad are out on a date or this is what dad did when he went out with his boys or blah, blah, blah. And I thought um, maybe Jada will look at this. Like mm. when she wondered, when she wonders, like when dad said he was going to play poker, like what was he actually doing? What was that like back mm. in 2019? Do you know what I mean? When I was yeah. a little kid, like, so that's, that's a part of it as well. That's amazing. So, um, yeah. I'm curious though, like what motivates you to continuously improve the quality? Because like, as you said, in the beginning, you know, it was still just about documenting it. One can do that relatively simply on the vlogging <laughs> right. spectrum. And yet right. you're very highly motivated to keep upping the quality and freshness yeah. of ideas and that sort of a thing. So, you know, beyond just documenting it, why put so much time and effort into no, I'm making it first class in, in, in A-Rate. Right, because, hold on, I'm going to put this because I hear binging. Um, uh, because it's boring to me mm. if it's not. Like, if I don't keep it pushing, like, if I don't, I can't sit back, like, on a high horse and, and judge or even pass judgment on anyone else. Like, everyone can do what they want. You know what I'm saying? But for me personally, in my life, both professionally and privately, and like, I don't want to be doing the same thing today that I was doing last year, that I was mm-hmm. doing the year before. Like, I got to keep it pushing. I got to keep like growing and growing and growing and growing. Like, I totally respect the guys that can go to a poker room and be playing in the same one two game for the last 20 years. Like, I couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I'd have to have, there has to be some some challenge to it. I, one of my goals is to always look back on the vlog I released a year before and look at it and go, that's garbage. Nice. That's that's just complete garbage. Like, what was I even thinking? What was I doing? Like, that's like, I want to think my old stuff is unwatchable. Right. (laughs) I I I completely get that. Um, I I totally get that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's not always, Achievable because there's like there's a couple of blogs that I made a couple of years ago that I was like, ah, it's kind of spectacular. Like, that's kind of <laughs> unbeatable. <laughs> but that's the that's the goal. So yeah. so so just as in poker, every so often you kind of have to change gears and, and throw your opponent off a little bit. I want to give yep. credit to my buddy Mike Patrick, who helps me with the research here once in a while. Jamin, you own not one but two t-shirts with a picture of Kelly Kapowski. From Saved by the Bell on them. Yes. What's the deal? Kapowski. Here's the thing. All right. So when Saved by the Bell was like a show, when it was oh, like yeah. a big 
it or whatever. I never watched it. Like it was, it came out right in like my late teens, early twenties. I was out running the streets. I was like chasing girls. I was doing whatever. Right. Right. But Tiffany Amber Thiessen was a sight to behold. Like if she popped up on the screen, I'd watch her scenes. Right. So I just always had like a (laughs) Kelly Kapowski thing. Not only do I have two shirts with Kelly Kapowski, I actually have a button up that just has little Kelly Kapowski's all over it as well. Um, so yeah, wow, that's a crack research team that found that. That's my that's my yeah. guy, Mike. Kudos yeah. to Mike. I never, but I never actually watched the show. Maybe I saw one episode. So yeah. So I have to ask then. My follow up is: if you were to ever meet Tiffany, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, what would you ask her? Hmm. Hmm. I'd want to know. This is God. This is such a lame answer. <laughs> We can give you a time bank if you want to. No, this, this, uh, I, I probably want to know what she'd be doing. Like, how does she think that show changed her life and what she'd be doing without it? Hmm. Because, I mean, she did some shows after that or whatever, but it was either, I mean, it was Saved by the Bell that was like the big catalyst that changed everything. Sure. That's always um, something I wonder about. Like, I wonder what these people would be doing if they didn't get the break that they got. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, uh, uh, songs in A minor wasn't the big hit that it was for Alicia Keys, what would she be doing? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, or what do they think they want to do? Sure. Like, so, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's cool. a lame. You uh, mentioned that uh, a couple of the episodes you did were, were pretty spectacular. Which ones yeah. did you have in mind? Which are your favorites? Um, interesting enough. So people ask this all the time, like, oh, how long does it take to create one of these things? And I say, and most bloggers will say this because it's about the same, I guess, for everybody. It's normally an hour of editing for every minute you see. Sometimes in my vlogs, about an hour and a half of editing for every minute you see. But on average, it takes like 24 to 30 hours to create a vlog, right? Yep. One of my favorite vlogs actually took me about 30 minutes to create. And it really? was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if this was big worldwide, but in the early, uh, early, mid 80s to late 90s, there was this guy that played basketball named Michael Jordan. He was a big Familiar, yes. Heard of him? Okay. Mm. So he had a gate, I think it was Gatorade. It might've been Nike. might've been Nike. Um, Commercial spot that had this song on it called Be Like Mike. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Be Like Mike song. I co-opted that song and created a, created a parody video of me trying to dress up and act like Mike Possle. <laughs> right. With be like Mike. Playing in the background. Sometimes I dream that he is me. He said, like, like Mike, I can be like Mike. Sure, be sure. like All right. So I created this video and I had so much fun going to Dick's Sporting Goods and buying the Under Armour hat. And finding a shirt in my closet that kind of looked like him and mimicking his movements at the table. And I filmed this all like in my house. Like it literally took at most an hour to film, edit and throw it out on YouTube. Wow. Um, that was that was fun. Um, there was a there was a vlog I did um, recently, like right after I moved to Vegas, um, where. I'm at a party at uh, Matt Berkey's house and like 
a bunch of my friends are there. And I remember it being fun. It's fun watching that because I knew just five, six months before the hell that my life was in St. Louis. So I can watch it now. And it was like a relief. And there's like, you could feel love with everyone. And yeah. it was like right after COVID. So it was like, people were finally getting back out again and mm -hmm. the masks were off. And um, so that was fun. There was a, a, a blog that I did uh, when I was in St. Louis where I went and played one, two and just got whacked. Like I just <laughs> got like demolished by this one person. He just kept beating me over and over and over. And then the next day I went back and him and I got into again and I kept beating him over and over and over. And I created the blog with like a Rocky montage. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, like, um, Cause it, it reminded me of a Rocky movie, you know, sure. like Rocky loses and then Rocky comes back, he trains and he comes back. Um, so, yeah. So I try to make those three really stand out. Um, nice. Yeah. Good. Good times. We mentioned in the intro, uh, don't call him an influencer. Why don't you like that word? I just, I, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I like it. I'm just wondering why you don't like it. I, I get it. Like, I get, <laughs> I get why people are called influencers. It's just so, as my daughter would say, it's just so cringy mm. to me. Like, it's just like, look, I pick up a camera and I film whole cards and I talk to it and I'm showing you a small part of my life, right? I am not uh, an educator. I am not claiming to say this is the proper way to play Ace Jack suited here. I'm just showing you what I did, right or for right or wrong, right? Um, I understand that, like that has an appeal to it, like a voyeuristic sure. thing that a lot of people have. I get it. Um, but I think the, the label of influencer is just like bandied about a bit. Okay. Too much. Like, sure. Maybe I have more fans than like the average person or something, but I, I don't know. It just, I'm just Jamin. Do you know what I mean? Like, That's I'm fair. Just, yeah. That's I'm just fair. same person, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I get it. I get that, you know, like I can help sell merch and, and things. So I get why it's like a, a label. It's just, I don't know. I walked around for 40 some odd years without being an influencer. So then like, do you know what I mean? Like sure. it, would be, it, would be, it would be like if I wrote a song and it was a big hit and then all of a sudden I wasn't Jamin Burton anymore. I was Grammy award winning Jamin. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, am I like, I'm the same guy. <laughs> like, Okay. Well, that's good. It's good to be down to earth about things. With yeah. that said though, just Damon Burton, who's the same yeah. guy, you know, you know, the, the way content is, especially, you know, good old YouTube algorithm and obviously some just, you know, gosh, darn great creativity. You've built yourself a following. Um, and there are people who just love what you do. Uh, they enjoy the things that you create. Um, and, and with that following, um, yeah, I tell people all the time, like, if you see me, like, in public, like, because some people see me in public and they can't believe it, and they, they'll pass out, they'll faint, because I'm there in their presence in their room, and, like, I'm not an ass, like, I will wait for you to wake up, you know, I'm like, then we can take a picture or something, but, like, I'm just normal, just like everybody else. I can confirm that having seen you in person on a couple occasions and uh, very, very normal, what you see is what you get. Um, with that influence... 
so to speak, with that following them quite genuinely. Um, uh-huh. You know, and the fact that you are a content creator, almost by definition, come opportunities to monetize said following. At right. this point in your journey, is that something that you're actively looking for? And part two of that is should you know monetization opportunities come about, what would you kind of like hope for as far as like, oh, it would be great if I would get handed money to X with my vlog? I, I pass on a lot. Like there's different kind of monetization, right? There is YouTube monetization, which you can get when you hit a certain threshold just by clicking on a button, um, which is really kind of pennies for most people. Um, then there is, hey, shill our, you know, whatever, or mops or t-shirts or you can do that. I pass on 99% of that stuff. Uh, I only really endorse something that I actually use or support or do you know what I mean? Like authenticity is very important. And I'm just, yeah. Uh, Then there is monetization from, it's like indirect monetization from opportunities that are afforded me because of my influencer status. Okay. Okay. Um, And in years past, I jumped on a lot of those in years, like recent years, I passed on a lot of them. And what I mean by those are like, you get opportunities to play in stream games. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I could probably just go play on Hustler Live yep. or The Lodge or which isn't anymore. It used to, you used to be, all right, let me back up. It used to be, you would get paid to play on those things. Right. So back when I would play with Mike Fossil on Stones Live, they would pay us. They'd pay our flights. They'd pay for our lodging. They'd give us a stipend and we'd play in a super soft game. Right. So what has happened now is there's so many vloggers that are so hungry for um, clout or notoriety or whatever is that when some of these places call, they'll just take the opportunity. And say, oh, no, I'll find my own way out there. I'll, you know, like, right. they just move on. Well, right. supply and demand, sure. Yes, supply and demand. So, <clears throat> I, in recent years, after the Stones and the Mike Postle thing, I kind of had PTSD about playing on live streams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I didn't play on li- another live stream until maybe last year. I played in San Antonio at Rounders. It was a great place. A uh, great place, great time down there. Um, I told myself this year that I wasn't going to pass on as many live streams. I was going to try to play on more live streams. Um, so that's a form of monetization too, because, you know, you know, Joe Smith who likes the five seat in his local game in Boise, Idaho, doesn't have the opportunity to play on the hustler live stream. That's right. Right. So me being able to position myself in some of these softer lineups, um, and just rake in EV is a like uh, another form of monetization. So, so yeah. And now I'm with um, uh, above the felt, which is like a marketing agency. Yeah. And, you know, we do things together and, you know, Tom Wheaton helps, you know, sell us and sell our brand and that's a form of monetization. So yeah, as I, as I move deeper into the game that is content creation and I'm starting to play this game uh, now and in, position myself in certain ways, 
uh, monetization does become a major, a major piece of it for sure. It's not as, uh, the act of creating poker blogs just for vlog sake or whatever isn't as pure as okay. it was like in the beginning. You know what I mean? Where it's just like we were all just kind of creating them for ourselves and sharing them amongst each other. Sure. And sure. you know, if you got a couple thousand views or whatever, it was just like, oh, okay. Um, but for me personally, views and subscribers and that kind of thing has never really been my jam. Like somebody asked me the other day, like how many subscribers I had. I couldn't even tell them. Like, I don't know, I think like 50K, 45, like I, I don't even know. And I, in the beginning, I cared a lot. Once I learned more about YouTube and social media altogether and just learned that you could just buy subscribers, then I was like, I cared less. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just learned that once I learned that you could, wait, wait, like I can just go out and spend $2,000 in by thousands of subscribers, then I was like, well, those numbers mean nothing anymore. Right. Like, you can just buy subscribers, you can buy views. Like, well, that doesn't mean anything. But you did earn yours, obviously. So that yeah, must, you know, there's yeah. pride in yeah. that. So yeah. Um, yeah. if I may ask, um, is that you know, through the Above the Felt uh, marketing agency and a good friend of mine, Tom Wheaton as well, uh, is that how your recent opportunity came about with WPT Global or was that sort of direct from them? Uh, that was not through above the felt that was uh, my good friend uh jamie kerstetter reaching out and asking if i'd like to be involved hashtag so, yeah. episode number three folks i remember that <laughs> one off there you Shout go that's cool you. she did a fantastic job with that also as did yeah. you it's cool to it's cool to give away a ten thousand dollar prize package wouldn't you say that's crazy and i gave away six of them yikes yeah that's nuts what was the experience like for you of not just you know, getting to play, but like having a whole, you know, I guess half dozen people who are your people who were, were playing for a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was wild. I mean, shout out to WPT for knocking that out the park. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, like I helped promote it or whatever, but that was an amazing and amazing, amazing job uh, they did. Um, but yeah, giving away those seeds and knowing and remembering like back in the days where, I would stay up all night to watch the November nine or, you know, couldn't wait to Sunday night game show network or whatever to watch high stakes poker and thinking, wow, how cool would it be to be playing in the room? And like Daniel's there, Doyle's yeah. there. Like, like it wasn't that long ago. Do you know what I mean? And now to just think that I'm giving away these seats and giving people that experience, it's like mine. It's mind blowing to me. It's mind blowing to me. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird the way life works. Like, yeah, it's just it's just it's just so strange. Like, I never would have thought if you if you'd have come to me even ten years ago and described my life now, never would have believed you at all. And then if, it, if you had come to me fifteen years ago and said I had a daughter and I was living in Vegas and playing poker and like making video like i'm like what are you talking about like like it's just it's 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 wild it's wild so my last question before we move to the community questions portion uh, of mm -hmm. the show so after you've said that and you know it's very clear anyone who's been listening who's been watching this whole time you're in a really great place you're happy you love what you do um mm -hmm. you know all the different things that you're juggling they don't make you anxious they just give you life they give you energy yeah. that's jamin at 50 what's jamin yeah. at 60 like 
the goal is to become the whale. That that's the goal. Okay. The, the goal, I was telling this to Brad today. The the long-term goal is to keep climbing the poker mountain, but to be the whale in the game that I'm currently in. So like most of the time when I go play right now, I'm playing Biotin of the Bodge, right? Every once in a while, a VIP will show up and they'll add a seat to the game for okay. the game, right? I want to be that guy. The guy that just comes and is like, oh, I'm just going to splash around a little bit at 510 Bellagio. And he's just throwing money left and right. And he's just like, I'm all in. And, you know, and he like shows a deuce. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's the good. I think that should be the goal of any like professional anything. Like, your goal is, yeah, it's to reach the NFL and to win the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. But it's also to then go back to, like, high, the high school and just kind of, like, throw the ball around. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, so, yeah, that's that's the goal is to get good enough and be profitable enough and have enough fun that I can then go become the whale somewhere. So I had said this was my last question, but based on your answer, I have to ask one more. Yeah. Um, when Jada becomes of age and starts watching your stuff and you know looks at your journey and the stuff that you did and say, hey, this poker thing's pretty cool. Um, what does it feel like to have her at the tables? Or is that something you want to sort of discourage her from the poker life? Oh, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, it depends, on, I guess, on what the landscape looks like, right? So like if we were having this conversation in, let's just say, 1955. It'd be hard no discouragement. Sure. Like, no, you're not. No, no, no. Right. There's other things you can do. Um, but there is, especially recently, there's definitely been a movement of the needle as far as women's inclusion in the game. Yep. And there's women's events now. And it is become, becoming a more um, less hostile place, sure. hopefully, sure. as time goes on. Um, so... She's 13. If she comes to me in like 10 years, I don't know. We'll see what the game looks like in 2033. I mean, obviously she can do whatever she wants to do. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, we'll see if it's, if it's even better than it is now. I was telling this to my girlfriend, Lily, who plays as well. Um, I go, yeah, it's better for women now, especially when women are at the table. I go, but the game is completely different when there's no women at the table. Right. And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, it's just like anything else. I go, when there's no women at the table, the conversations are much different. Even I go, even if you are a woman that thinks you're one of the guys and you hang out with the guys, I go, if you're present, your your presence, all the conversations change. The the, the whole dynamic is like a locker room. Yeah, it's like it is. And I go, Lily, it's like if you were out with your girlfriends, right? You'll have a conversation. If I'm there, it's different. Like. You know, like they're not going to be hostile towards me, sure. but you're not going to talk about the same type of things. So sure. hopefully, you know, I don't know if it'll always stay like that, but it's, it's, it's seeming like it's, it's moving in the right direction. So, we'll so see. episode 831 folks in about eight years from now, Jada <laughs> Burton will be, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, that's when Jada, Jada will take over. There you go. Uh, folks, in this segment of the show, we now turn to you, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We do have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, 
please be sure to send in your questions. Here's one from Mart1194. It's a name we just saw uh, in, I believe, last episode for the first time. So thanks again mm-hmm. for participating, Mart. We appreciate it. Um, Jamin, Mart wants to know, between live and online poker, which do you prefer and why? Ooh, that's a tough one now. So had you asked me early 2000s, it was going to be online. Had you asked me 2010-ish to, to 2021, it had been live, but I've been playing a lot online, mostly for studying and uh, training. And I get the appeal of online. I, I, I get it now. I didn't really get it in like the mid 2000s. Um, I still think I like the live element better. Live is is way softer uh, than online. And there's like a social element and you're out of the house and blah, blah, blah. But I get why people just sit around in their pajamas and play online all day. It's just, it's a different game online. Cool. Yeah. And it's good to get the reps in, obviously. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, Crystals, thank you very much for sending this one in. Crystals uh, wants to know, Jamin, if you could play one tournament and vlog it from start to finish, which tournament would that be and why? If I could play one tournament and vlog it from start to finish, it would either be... Wait, and let me just asterisk this. Not necessarily that you'd win said tournament. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Um, it, ooh, be, it would either be the World Series main event because of the cachet still around it. Um, although this WPT 10K that we just played, it was a close second. Mm-hmm. It was a, that, that, that would have been a fun one. Um, or it would be something where I would be totally out of my comfort zone, right? Like it would be something like the 25K high roller, um, something like that, where it's just like the nerves are like at 10 uh-huh. and there are no fish in the field. And like, I'm the fish, like by far, um, it would be me filming me even going semi deep and something like that. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be a good time. Here's a name that we have never seen before. So thank you very much, Joseph Nobbs for sending in your questions. We'll ask two of them from you. Um, Jamin, Joseph wants to know what is the biggest tournament you've ever played in? Biggest tournament I've ever played in was this 10 K win win championships. Okay. Um, I don't play a lot of tournaments, which I don't know why. When I first started playing, I only played tournaments. But, I mean, I was, you know, neophyte in poker. So I was playing, like, $5 sit-and-goes and, you know, $20 whatever's on poker stars. Um, I play mostly cash. So the biggest tournament I've ever played was definitely this 10K. Uh, if you don't mind, I didn't follow exactly. What what uh, day did you play? Which day one? Day, the first one. Did one? Did we see day two? Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have went into day two quite healthy had I not played the second to the last hand at the end of day one. Uh huh. Ran my ace jack suited into like king deuce suited or something. I don't. But I, I like because of course you're going to run into king yeah. deuce suited. <laughs> yeah, I lost a bunch of chips. I came back with day two with dust. Like I had almost nothing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, one more from Joseph Nobbs. Apart from poker, is there anything else that you like doing when you're not playing? I guess that means uh, aside from the other many commitments that you have and things that you prioritize. How about hobby-wise? Uh, I like hanging out with my daughter when she lets me. Uh, most of the time now, she just kicks me out of her room. 
What's your uh, favorite what's your favorite activity to do together? Uh <laughs> no, well, it's hard to say here because she's still, I mean, she's in school now and she's just getting adjusted, but in like St. Louis, we had cats. So we'd always oh. we take the cats had strollers. So we take the cats. The cats <laughs> have sweet. since moved on to be at her mom's house. Um, <laughs> So, like, we play video games. Or most of the time, I just watch her play the video game and I give my input, like, stuff like that. As far as my hobbies, um, most of the time, I just been hanging out with my girlfriend. Or, like, nice. sometimes I finally secured, like, a PS5, so I'll play a game on a PS5 to, like, wind down or something. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. it. Uh, and we'll end off with one last one from Chica Bonita, one of our regular uh, contributing question askers. Um, I'll ask it as worded here. What is the most important thing for you, Jamin, when creating your content? Uh, have your goals changed when creating your videos if you compare it to when you started doing it and why are you doing it now? I guess you sort of covered this ground a little bit. The most important thing for me is, is honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I know, I won't name names, but I know that there are bloggers that do things like buy subs, that buy views. I know there's bloggers that um, make up boards, like, because you can see their hand, but you can't necessarily see the board. And I know they make a board and just tell a complete fabricated story. Like, you hear that, Brad um, Owen? We're on to you. <laughs> like, so it's just like... Like, just like I'm trying to tell my story. So there was a hand in the last vlog where uh, I had second top full house on the river and just called. And people in comments asked, why did you just call? Why didn't you just go all in? And I go, because I was scared. Mm. Like, that's why. Like, that's honest. Like, I was scared that the guy had the bigger full house. Like, is it rational? Is it logical? Like mathematically, is it possible? Like it's possible, but is it likely? No, but like I was legitimately scared. Like I just, you know, like these real human like emotions. um, If there's one area of my blog, I wish I was better at, it would be conveying real emotion. Like Johnny Vibes is the chef's kiss of that. I'm not, but that doesn't mean I don't have them. That doesn't mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, uh, so yeah, just being honest in that way and not trying to come off like I'm a poker God and I just crush and every hand I play is perfect and GTO and solver. And like, like, that's not me. Like, you know, so like, I, I want that to come through that I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. Well, folks, if you've been uh, listening and watching this entire time, you see the real Jamin Burton, the real authentic Jamin Burton. And I got to say also, uh, you and I have never had a chance to speak uh, at length before uh, to this degree. So I've certainly really enjoyed it. Uh, guys, thank you very much for sending in questions for Jamin and a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels. If you like the show, Jamin, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell the Cards Chat community? No, just uh, don't stress. Enjoy your life. Watch my blog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Very good. Uh, thank you again, Jamin. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. 
I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.